Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to remind us of 1 Peter 3.15, which tells us to Sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be always ready to give each man or woman an answer or reason for the hope that lies within you and to do so with gentleness and respect. We are living in an age where uh, Christians have to be ready to give a Bible based response to the different worldview attacks that exist. So whether it's humanism or secularism or scientism or naturalism or even atheism, we have to be ready to share with them what God says. And sometimes we do have to use not just the uh, reasoning, but more so the philosophical uh, methods to reach people based on where they are, just like Jesus did. So on today's show, uh, I invited a very special guest to join us to help us make sense of this atheistic movement that many of us encounter He is the award-winning writer of over 180 articles, and he has publications such as A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Conviction. And he's also the founder and president of Stand to Reason Ministry. Uh, Please join us as we welcome uh, Brother Greg Coco. Brother uh, Greg, how are you? Hey, Perseus. It is so great to spend some time with you today. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you. And my first question, uh, Greg, is what is an atheist? Well, you know, there's some controversy about this nowadays, um, and there shouldn't be, really, because the, con- the, the definition of atheist is very straightforward. A, theist. A, not theist. Uh, God. Uh, not God. Right. That is, it, it's a person who believes that there is no God. Now, the reason that there is some controversy lately about this, Perseus, is because a lot of atheists right now are trying to um, kind of do a little bit of a two-step here and say that an atheist is someone who merely lacks a belief in God. And since they are lacking a belief in God, they have nothing to defend. They're not laying out any claim at all, and if they're not laying any claim, they're just absent a belief in God, then they have no point of view to defend. Now, if I were an atheist, I would not take this route, Mm -hmm. because I think it's intellectually dishonest. Um, Think of it this way, Um, and this is a way to deal with somebody who wants to go this route, you know. Um, Given the statement, God exists, what do you atheist, the one who says you have no belief regarding God, Mm -hmm. what do you say regarding that statement? God exists. You you could either say yes, no, or maybe so, basically, right? You could could affirm it. That would be a theist, like you and I. You could could deny it, or you could say you don't know. Now, somebody who says they don't know Mm -hmm. is is an agnostic. Right. Okay? Somebody who agrees is a theist like us. There's only one other category left. That's the atheist. That is, the atheist is the one who who denies 
that the statement there is a God is true, which means they are making the claim that God does not exist. Mm -hmm. They have a belief. They have a belief that God does not exist. They are not just absent beliefs. Right. Or for goodness sake, people like Christopher Hitchens and Michael Shermer and and the whole host of them, you know, they're not writing books about things they don't believe. (laughs) It's really really unfortunate that this is the route that they've taken, but um, I think many of them know better, but they are... But 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 those who are listening to them don't, and so right. they think, oh, see, I just lack a belief. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll tell you what I lack a belief in. I lack a belief in what is the best rugby team in Australia. <laughs> I haven't the foggiest idea. I have no position. I don't even know what the names of the teams are. That's a lack of belief. Right. When it comes to the issue of God, though, these guys are not sitting on the sideline. They are in play. They are advancing a point of view, and mm-hmm. their point of view is that God does not exist. And that, of course, is the classic definition of atheism. So let me ask you this, uh, well, based on that response. What is the advantage of arguing that they lack a belief? Well, generally, the idea of burden of proof, who has a responsibility to give reasons for a view, it falls on the shoulders of the person who's making the claim. Right. So um, what they want to do is they want to position themselves in the argument strategically so that the Christian has all the responsibility and they have none. Got it. They don't have to give any evidence, any arguments, nothing. They can just sit silently or maybe try to shoot down the arguments of Christians, and if they can raise a reasonable doubt, then they win by default. That's their strategy here. But like I said, if I were an atheist, I wouldn't go that route, because it, it seems to me to be lame. Right. I'd want to say, yeah, that's kind of a chintzy way out. Look, at, I'm not going to—I'm going to man up, step up to the plate, right. and I'm going to argue against God's existence. I'm going to give you the reasons that God doesn't exist. I do have some responsibility in this discussion. That's what I would do. Right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Now, are atheists a, a homogenous group, or are there different types of atheists? Well, strictly speaking, there are different types of atheists, but there's not a whole lot of variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, most atheists, that is, people who believe there is no God, have a, have an alternate belief. Instead of theism as a worldview, they hold the worldview uh, variously called uh, materialism mm-hmm. or naturalism or physicalism. Uh, think of it like matterism, because they believe that the only thing that exists in all reality mm-hmm. are molecules in motion. <laughs> um, a lot of you, your listeners might be familiar with the, the, the statement by Carl Sagan in the cosmos, the cosmos is all there is, was, or ever will be. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not a statement of science, by the way, because science can't tell you everything that ever was or is, or will be. I mean, it just is not capable. It's a a metaphysical statement. Call it a religious statement, if you like, but it's accepted by a lot of atheists. Right. And uh, now, once in a while, you're going to run into an atheist that believes that there are things that are immaterial that do exist, but but not God. (laughs) (laughs) If if, if, If matter is all that exists, matter in motion, governed by natural laws... There, there, ergo the, the phrase naturalism, 
physical things, ergo physicalism, um, then obviously there can't be a God. Some atheists are going to go beyond that. Very rare atheists will say, yes, there are immaterial things that exist in the world. There be thoughts and beliefs and values and maybe even morals, uh, um, but no spiritual beings exist. They certainly deny that. So there's, there is quite a, quite a bit of homogeneity between atheists, especially the ones that are most popular right now in writing. So it seems like, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that they're using various arguments to get to the same core principles. Well, yeah. They, they, what they want to say is um, that atheism is the default position, and there is no good reason to change the default position. That's basically their, their general approach. And any other reasons that come up, like looking at design in the universe, uh, looking at why the universe exists rather than nothing exists, right. these are classic philosophical questions, which, by the way, require an answer if we're going to be, take our world seriously. Um, or why there's a, a morality in the world that seems to apply to human beings, uh, so th- these are the teleological arguments, the cosmological arguments, mm-hmm. and the moral arguments, uh, to name a few. Those are the most popular ones. They're just going to find ways of dismissing them um, so that their default position um, is, is, is unharmed. Um, and that's pretty much their strategy. And of course, they attack the Bible and Christianity <laughs> and religion in general in lots of different ways, and so they... They throw a lot of spaghetti against the wall, if you can, if you, if you don't mind the metaphor there. <laughs> right. Um, whether it sticks or not is another question. I don't think it sticks. They make it sound like it does, but it doesn't. Closer analysis. Thank you for that. We are on air with uh, Brother Greg Coco from San Teresa Ministries. And uh, Brother Greg, you wrote um, and published a book, a booklet dealing with the new atheists. Right. And... One of the things that you did in the book or uh, booklet that I enjoy was you were able to introduce us to some philosophical techniques, and <clears throat> you talk about the uh, some of the red herring attacks that right, right. that, that um, uh, those uh, atheists that are predominantly well known use, and so that leads me to my next question: Who are historically the uh, uh, notable atheists that we should know about, and then we'll move to uh, uh, the new atheism. Well, the, the, well the historically, uh, there have been lots of them. You know, um, Sigmund Freud was an atheist, um, uh, wasn't a philosopher, but in the medical field. Bertrand Russell, the great 20th century British philosopher, um, was a noted a- atheist, A.J. A. Ayer and, mm-hmm. Ant- and Anthony flew up until uh, the beginning of the 21st century, and then um, he became a theist because he thought he was probably the best-known atheist of the 20th century, mm-hmm. uh, a philosopher. Yet, um, examining the evidence, he came to the conclusion that uh, the smart money is on the existence of God, and, and wrote a book <laughs> titled "God Does Exist." And so, um, you, your listeners can get that on Amazon or something. But those are some of the 20, uh, the, maybe the more popular 20th century um, philosophers that were atheists. Um, but th- those guys were not like cult figures or pop figures like in the 21st century. In the 21st century, we have the new atheists. Right. And those consist, in a sense, formally of four people. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, mm-hmm. 
Richard Dawkins, both Brits, by the way, mm-hmm. which makes them sound more persuasive because they got that great <laughs> British accent. Right? Right. Uh, and uh, Samuel Harris, Sam Harris, and uh, Daniel Dennett, both Americans. Uh, now, Chris Hitchens died a couple years ago. Right. His writings are still out there. Why God is not great. Mm-hmm. How religion um, poisons everything. I think is the subtitle of his book. But his influence is still felt. Probably the most well-known atheistic. Uh, apologist right now is Richard, Richard Dawkins, Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Oxford uh, 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 biologist, I think, is his field. Uh, then you have the American atheist um, uh, Michael Shermer, who is the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, uh, well-known also. And there's a whole bunch of other people riding their coattails, but those are the main players right now, at least the ones that uh, people are following. Is there a distinction that you seen? between the uh, polemic of the old atheist versus the new atheist? Oh, yeah, there, there are, it's, it's, but they're not substantive. Um, that is, the new atheists haven't come up with new arguments, uh, new insights, profound new evidence that, that, that makes the case for atheism over uh, different forms of theism. Um, no, they, they, the difference uh, is that first they're pop figures now, uh, okay? And I don't mean that pejoratively. I'm not looking down my nose. I'm just saying it's the, the old atheists, like the, um, the 20th century atheists, and some of them still alive. Michael Ruse, for example, is a well-known philosopher from, uh, uh, I think, Florida State University or maybe University of Florida. And, and, you know, he's been around for a long time. And others, too, that are philosophical atheists, they've been writing for a long time, but they don't have these cult followings kind right. of thing. And I don't mean cult in the negative sense. I mean, they're just like, they're like rock stars. You right. Know? So that's new. Um, secondly, they have a different attitude. Uh, they're, they're angry. Mm. They're bugged. And this is why Richard uh, Dawkins can say when it comes to dealing with Christians uh, and other theists, don't even try to argue them. Make fun of them. Mm. Ridicule them. This is what Richard Dawkins tells his followers to do. Mm. Of course, that is a that is a logical fallacy called ad hominem. Right. You're attacking the man, you're calling names. That's not good reasoning, but anyway, that's popular with them. So they got a new attitude, they're angry. And another detail is that they, they actually think that theists are not just wrong, they think they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a result of 9-11, uh, where religious people, religious fundamentalists, if you will, were responsible for the deaths of 2000. 977 people on American soil on September 11, 2001. And so this became a pretext for the atheists to really drum up a lot of attention. See what happens when people take God seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they, they didn't say, see what happens when Christians take God seriously, and they build schools and they build hospitals. And right. They, you know, they help the poor and, and uh, all these other things. No, they don't do that. So they're quite selective there, but and they just try to find the bad examples. Um, and they don't distinguish between, say, a, a, a Christian fundamentalist who would likely pray for you and a Muslim fundamentalist who would likely kill you. Right. You know, they don't make that distinction. So um, there, So that's, that's another difference. The last difference that is true among some of them, and this would be Christopher Hitchens and Michael Shermer and Sam Harris and Dawkins, uh, not so much, although he, 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 he talks in a confused way about this, and that is about morality. Right. Because Hitchens and Harris and um, Shermer, 
do not want to be labeled as relativists. They believe in morality. They believe in real right and wrong. This is the way they argue. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a three-hour debate with Michael Shermer on the radio a number of years ago, about four years ago. And this was what we talked about a lot. And uh, the, the, the irony, though, is though these people, all three of them, argued like they believe in objective morality, when you ask them where their morality comes from, mm-hmm. it's always the same place. Their morality comes from the social contract, <laughs> right? right? Their morality comes from Darwinian evolution. Right, right. Um, and that's the case of Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins. Right. I'm sorry, uh, let's see, Christopher Hitchens and, and Michael Shermer. And, of course, both of those ways of explaining morality are, are, are ways that can only produce relativistic morality, not... Objective morality. Right. Now, it's a little bit of a complex point, and I, I re- actually wrote an article about this, um, I think, last year. And folks can find it at our website at str, for stand to reason, str.org. And it's called God, Evolution, and Morality. So there's two articles back-to-back, and, uh, and the first article especially focuses in on that. But uh, just suffice it to say now, without getting too technical, Perseus, mm-hmm. um, if you believe that evolution gave us the feelings or beliefs of morality, that means moral convictions are inside the subject. And that's it. Right. Right and wrong is inside the subject. If one believes that it is the social contract that determines morality, uh, we all agree on so we don't kill each other, well, then morality is in a group of subjects, of individuals. Right and wrong is still in subjects. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's in subjects, it's subjective. And if it's subjective, it's relativistic. Right. Uh, biology can't make rape wrong. Right. All biology can do is make people believe rape's wrong, contrary to fact. You know, rape is not one thing or another, but if people believe rape's wrong, well, then that's better because then society is somehow safer. Um, that's the evolutionary or the the um, uh, social contract argument, but fine, they're welcome to that, but all that can give them is relativistic morality, <laughs> relative to the social contract, relative to the biological evolution, that's period. Right. That's Rape right. isn't wrong on that view. That's right. Murder isn't wrong. Uh, intolerance isn't wrong. It's just against some people's opinion and in favor of uh, uh, other people's opinion. That's all. It's relativism. So those are the distinctives of the new atheists nowadays. Um, they're angry. Uh, they think <laughs> da- Christians are dangerous, and some of them are trying to hang on to morality, but they're not able to do it. Well, it, it seems like their argument is less, more persuasive than a theist who can at least say that if there are moral laws, there have to be a moral law giver. Yes, of course. That's so, right. And there, there is no way to ground genuine, objective moral obligation without a moral law giver, because obligations are held towards people. Right. I don't have an obligation to my iPhone. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, but I have obligations towards you, and um, and uh you know and and others in the right in their right position can 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 um make uh make obligation on us you know parents right. children have obligations toward their parents because their parents are in charge i mean this, so so uh, genuine objective morality 
has to be grounded in an appropriate authority, or else it's just a matter of individual opinion, and it can't go beyond that. The difficulty with that is, <clears throat> this is a whole other issue, but unless you have objective morality, there's no problem of evil in the world. Mm. Let me just say that again, because I don't want people to miss it. Right. Unless you have objective morality, there is no problem of evil in the world. Uh, in other words, if, if, if bad is just a matter of opinion, right. well, then, then all you have is different opinion. When people say there's evil in the world, all they're saying is there's some things they don't like, but who, should, who cares what they like? Right. If right. there's no obligation to care, you know. So, but, but the problem of evil is the first argument on the mouth of the atheist. So uh, you can't have it both ways. If there is no objective morality, there's no problem of evil. Right. If there is a problem of evil, then there is objective morality, which means you've got to have God in the picture as well. And uh, that puts them, I think, on the horns of a terrible dilemma. Hmm. Brother Coco, thank you so much. Our time is up, and it went by quickly. But if you would, I would love to do a part two with you uh, with this subject and another subject, if it's okay. Absolutely. I'm really happy to be part of what you're doing, Perseus. Well, thank you. I will be in touch, and you have a great day. Oh, okay. All the best to you. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Uh, that was Brother uh, Greg Coco from Stand to Reason Ministries, um, president and founder, and uh, he spends a great deal of time studying and defending the tenets of the Scriptures amongst the den of atheists and secularists and agnostics. So we really thank him for his ministry. Uh, you can visit his website, str.org, and uh, see the many research materials that they've composed. And again, we thank God for opening up the doors for us to have him on Sound, sound Reasoning. Now, if you are listening to us and this show has been a blessing to you, we ask that you continue to pray for us and consider becoming a financial uh, partner uh, for we want to continue doing the Lord's work and bring in the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. So, again, thank you for your prayers and thank you all for all that you do. And remember to do for the truth what so many other people are doing for lies and we will continue to pray for you as you pray for us. God bless you all. And remember to stand up for God's word and not back down because we have the truth that saves and we have the truth that can break the bondage through the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you all. And I pray that the Lord keeps us until we meet again on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. 
Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.